Wonderful. Well, what we're going to do is continue, <clears throat> excuse me, in the Stand Strong series that we've been on, looking at the full armour of God. And I just want to say thank you to Denise. She did an amazing job last week, didn't she? Um, just so great unpacking um, the, the Gospels of the Sandal of Peace and uh, just did such an amazing job of unpacking that for us and just proclaiming that gospel message. And uh, just so wonderful having Denise doing so. Well, we do continue on, as I said, and we're going to look at the next piece of armour. Um, and so why don't you um, get your Bibles out, if you have them, or your smartphone device. Um, it'll be on the screen as well. And we're going to look at um, Ephesians 6, which is where we've been <coughs> studying. And uh, let's look at the next piece of armour that I'll be looking at this morning. It's uh, found on verse 16. And I'm going to be reading from the ESV version. And, you know, I guess one of the benefits of apps is you can then toggle to an ESV. Uh, but let me read it to you. Paul says this, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So that is where we are up to. And... Um, <clears throat> As Denise said uh, last week, and as I said when I started this series, you know, it's possible and probable that the Apostle Paul was using um, this metaphor um, of armour and looking at the Roman soldier's armour. And uh, each week we've been looking at um, that piece of armour, and I love the drawing that uh, Denise had last week with these sandals, with, you know, those, those like nails that were almost in here, which meant that you could stand strong and walk on any terrain. And that's indeed what that gospel of peace means for us, that we can go in any terrain because we're rooted in the peace of God. We're rooted in relationship with the Father. And so <clears throat> when we look at the shield, I think the question to ask is, what kind of shield is this? Um, you know, um, is it one of those kind of small little shields? Like, you know, the Avengers, is it um, Captain America? He has a shield. It's a very cool shield. In fact, Daniel, my uh, little boy, he's up there actually in the balcony. Hello, son, with my two beautiful daughters and my beautiful wife. Um, he has one of those shields, and it's quite small. Um, but great though that is, and I'm not dissing the shield, by the way, Daniel, the Roman soldier's shield was even better because it was a big old thing. It was about a metre high. It was very wide. And in fact, what they would do is they would kind of root it in the ground and then hide behind it like this. Nothing was getting past that shield. It was made of many pieces of wood. And um, in fact, it was actually referred to as the door. Isn't that interesting? And the way they would use it, you see, is a number of soldiers would, would get together and, and, and crowd like this and then have all of those shields. And it was very impenetrable. And so <clears throat> that is what Paul is saying our faith is like. That nothing is getting past that. And in fact, doesn't Paul say when we read that, that that shield will distinguish all? Now, I looked at the Greek word for all, and you might be surprised to know it means all, <laughs> everyone. And I think that's very interesting, actually, because the sense is, is that if you have that shield of faith, you may not need to go grab that sword, and we're going to look at that in a couple of weeks. So the question for us then is how do we use this? How do we, and Paul says in all circumstances, like how do we use this shield? 
And hey, take a step back, Mark. What even is a shield of faith? What does faith mean? And that's what I want to look at this morning and spend most of my time is looking at the question of what is faith? What is faith? And therefore, how do we use it? And, you know, when you ask the question of what is faith, the kind of go-to, go-to book, the go-to scripture is, of course, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, which is entitled By Faith. And <clears throat> because I've been unwell this past week, I haven't, I haven't been in the office, I haven't been working, I've been really just re- reading through Hebrews, rereading through it, if you like, soaking in it, bathing in it, reading it through, reading it through, and... And so what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, is that today's talk is going to be more like a Bible study, if that's all right. We're going to read through a lot of scripture, but I want to do that in order for us all to soak in God's word and for it to really permeate into our hearts, because we need to understand what biblical faith is. We need to understand what that means to walk by faith, not by sight. And so in order to do this, we're going to ask the question, what is faith? And we're going to turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 11. And I want to start by looking at verse 1. You get that out in your Bibles. If you're at home, uh, maybe you've got that, your Bible in front of you. And in verse 1, it gives you to the writer to Hebrews. And we don't know who it is. People think it might be Paul. It's, It's likely. But the writer to the Hebrews gives kind of two examples or two definitions, if you like, of faith in this one verse. So we're going to take them part by part. So it says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Now, faith is this. It is the assurance of things hoped for. Let's unpack that together. And in so doing, I'm going to go at this point, sit down. Thank you. (laughs) What does hoped mean? Well, when you hope for something, it really means two things, isn't it? The first thing is that it is a future expectation, isn't it, of something to come. You, you don't hope for something that's happened. You hope for something that is yet to come. We all there? We're on the same page? Just nod your head if you agree. Yes, yeah, good. Good nod heading. But the second thing we need to know about hope is it's not a hope for a future expectation that's bad, is it? It's always an expectation of something which is good. In other words, you don't hope that my roof caves in. No one says, I hope for that. No one says, I really hope, you know, that I'm riding my bicycle and I come off it. No, (laughs) hope is inbuilt in that, the connotation of something good, an expectation of something good. So what can be some examples? Well, I hope that the weather is going to be good tomorrow so I can have a barbie, you know. I hope that. Now, here's the thing about biblical hope, though, because this is where it differs from worldly hope. What is worldly hope? It's wishful thinking, really, isn't it? Like, I hope I win the lottery. By the way, I hope you don't play the lottery. That's for another talk. But there's no assurance of that, is it? It's, a, you know, it's wishful thinking. I, I hope that I could be six foot one and not five foot, five foot whatever I am. But, you know, that's wishful thinking. There's no assurance there. And so this is the difference, you see, <clears throat> in terms of hope. 
You see, the writer here says, faith is the assurance of that which you hope for. So what does assurance mean? It means a deep-rooted conviction. It means a trust, a belief in. Now, actually, if you dig into the root of assurance, do you know what it actually signifies and means? It means title deeds. You know, when you own a property, you have the title deeds to that property. You have an assurance that it is yours. And so you see, the thing about biblical hope is that you have, (laughs) it is hope that has the title deeds to it. That is the kind of assurance. And you see, therefore, faith is when you have the title deeds to your hope. And that's therefore what biblical hope looks like. So the question, therefore, is, well, that sounds great, Mark, but how does one receive these title deeds? I'm glad you asked. You see, the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 10, 17, he says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of want to go, oh, Paul, grammatically, that's probably not the best sentence structure. (laughs) You probably don't need to say hearing twice. Just say, faith comes by hearing the word of God and you're fine. But good old Paul, he knows exactly what he's saying, inspired by the Holy Spirit. You know, no word is an accident in the Bible. Faith comes by hearing, Paul writes. He goes, ah, but hold on, guys. Not hearing any old thing. Faith doesn't come by hearing what your mate's got to say about a particular subject. Faith doesn't come by anything other than hearing God's word. This is the title deeds. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, you see. And so the thing about faith is that we need to read the word. Why? Because when you get a title deed, the title deed shows you that which you have. And so what this Bible does, what the Word of God does, is it shows us God's promises to us, the hope that we have in. And yet, as Christians, I have to say, we rarely go to the Word. And we wonder why we lack faith. By the way, I say this in love as your pastor, but I also say it to myself. You know, the devil's going to do everything he can so that you don't pick up that shield of faith. Makes sense, right? What did Paul say as we've been studying this passage? The battle is not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, the devil's schemes. Let us not be naive as Christians. And so... I tell you some of my battles. Do you, want to, do you want to know some of my challenges? Oh no, what's the pastor going to say? Or flip. My mobile is there calling me. Mark, why don't you snack on all the wonderful content I have for you? I have YouTube. I have the Instagram app thing. I don't use Instagram. I have Facebook. I don't use Facebook. I have, oh, but you get my drift. I have the BBC News app. I have all these things, come to me. 
No, I need to read the word. Come to me. Oh, yeah, I just will pick it up. I don't even have to think about it. My thumb does all the thinking. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, oh really? The world is heading in that? Oh, wow, that's bad, isn't it? Where's my, where's my shield gone? Huh. I'm hearing something else, you see. And I think the biggest challenge we have in this generation is getting into our word. We've become an illiterate generation, if I'm completely honest with you. And we need to get the title deeds. We need to get into God's word because this builds our faith on the basis of what God says. God's word will always remain, though heaven and earth will pass away. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Man, I want to base my life on the certainty of God, not the uncertainty of man. Hands up if you're with me. Well, that was a well, good response, and I hope you're putting your hand up at home as well. Okay, so that's the first part. part then. You see, the shield that we have, and in a moment we're going to look at how we pick up that shield of faith as it relates to hope. But we're going to look at the second part. You see, the writer goes on to say this. Faith is the conviction of things not seen. You see, faith is the assurance of that hope that we have in Christ Jesus that we haven't seen yet but will come to pass. But it's also the conviction that things are happening now that we cannot see. And in fact, the writer goes on to say, you know, that the, the earth was created by God's word. That which is now visible was created out of not which was not visible. And why is this important? I loved Iona's testimony earlier. Wasn't that just amazing? You know, how she walked that faith journey. She lived by faith, not by sight. And as Richard reflected, he quoted Romans 8, 28, that God is working all things for good for those that love him and accord according to his purpose. Now, you see, we need faith to believe that to be true because the reality is sometimes we cannot see it because our circumstances will say something different, won't they? Well, Iona, you've applied for 250 jobs. What's God really doing? But you see, faith says, whoa, I got the title deeds. It says in here that God's working all things for good for those that call according to your purpose. I'm gonna believe in God. And all of a sudden, you know what's happening? Iona puts up her, her shield of faith. And the lies that the enemy are throwing, those arrows saying, well, God doesn't love you, they're just distinguished because I have the title deeds. I believe that God is working. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, commit your ways unto God and he will direct your paths. You know, that is what faith is. It's having that conviction that in spite of our circumstances, in spite of what we see, because listen, the enemy's lies will always distort truth. Why? Because he is called the father of lies. And you say, therefore, what distinguishing these arrows is faith in God's truth. We don't just have faith for, for nothing. We have faith in God's truth. And so that is what faith is. Now, <clears throat> we're all on, hopefully on the same page that faith is something, a good expectation of hope that we have in Christ Jesus that we have the title deeds for and therefore an assurance for. It is also a conviction and a trust of the things that we cannot see, as God says here in his promises, okay? Now, what I want to do then, you see, what the writer to the Hebrews does is just, I think, one of the most amazing passages 
because he goes on to give what's called the Hall of Fame, if you like, the faith roll call. And I thought it would be kind of cool just to read it. And I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to comment as we go, because this does an amazing job of explaining to us what the Christian hope is. That's what I want to get to. Because when I was studying this, I felt the Lord just impress upon my heart. He said, Mark, here's the question I want you to ask. What is your hope? What is your hope? Lord Jesus, I just pray that as as I read your word, Lord, that you would just, by your spirit, challenge us and open our eyes to where our hope actually is and what it is in, Lord. And Lord, we know that your word will not return void, but it would accomplish that which it's set forth to do. And so, Lord, we have faith in that word, that as your word is spoken, and as we bathe in it, Lord, it will change us from the inside out. And boy, that is my desire, and I know for many who are here, Lord, and are home. Amen. All right, let's read this. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he could not see death or raptured up, snatched away, and he was not found because God had taken him, a type and shadow of what is to come with the rapture of the church. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear, reverent fear, a knowledge of the Almighty. Not worried about the fear of man, but not wanting to offend a holy God constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, and that comes by faith. Listen, let's just put this in context, right? Noah was building an ark where there had never been rain before. You see, we read in the scriptures that this was the first time where rain had actually come down was during the flood. So, right, just imagine, hey, hey, Noah, what are you up to? I'm building an ark. For what? For the rain that's about to come. Say say what? There's going to be a flood and you better repent. What? No chance. Now, did he have to put up with this for a year, two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years? 70 years he took building the ark. Boy, one needs faith to do that. Why? He got the title deeds. God's word, good enough for him. That's how we're called to live our lives. By faith, right, let's carry on. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. 
For, listen to this, guys, he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. You know, Abraham had loads of stuff. He left a very comfortable life with all that he needed. Why? He left it all aside because God says, hey, I've got something better for you. That takes faith. But he had the title deeds. He had God's word. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as a good as dead were born, <laughs> good as dead, he was an old man too, <laughs> were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. You can read Genesis 12 if you want to look at that more. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. Why? That is hope. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they have been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. In other words, if he wasn't pressed forward to what God had, he could have said, well, let's just head back. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. What is common with all these examples is that it is a hope for a better country. You see, if I were to ask the question, what is the Christian hope? 40 years, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, the answer would be to be with Jesus. The Christian hope is that we have eternity with him. The Christian hope is that he's coming back for us. If you were to ask that question now, what is the Christian hope? I suspect you'd get mixed responses like to live my best life yet, to have everything I need not to have trials and tribulations. This prosperity gospel thing, which I reference now and again, I do so because it permeates everything and it waters down the Christian hope. I've heard reports actually that in these such tough time that it has been, is that many who have been caught up in the word of faith movement and the prosperity gospel have started to see the error because like, well, hold on a minute. I thought I wasn't supposed to have trials and troubles. I thought the more faith I had, the more I could get. That the reason I don't have and the reason I'm going through trials is because of my lack of faith. <laughs> Jesus says, in this world, you will have many trials and troubles. And you see, here's the thing. The Christian hope is the knowledge that we're gonna be with Jesus. That's what we have faith for. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't want to bless us now. I'm not saying that. He does. He pours his blessings upon his children. But the gospel message is that we've been reunited, as, as, as uh, um, Denise did such a great job last week, of relationship restored with our Heavenly Father. And the blessings flow from that. The object of the gospel is not a better life. The object of the gospel is restoration of communion with the Father. And from that, a better life comes. And so you see, all these great heroes of the faith, their Christian hope, their hope, if you like, was the hope that they would be with Jesus or be with the Father. Of course, Christ wasn't revealed at that point. 
And you see, think about, I've been thinking about this. You see, when life gets tough and those arrows get fired at us, the faith that we will be with him for eternity is that shield that goes up. It doesn't matter. As it says in the Psalms, what can man do to me? What can man do to me? This isn't to minimize the pain and suffering we go through, but to say, as the scripture says, we're here for but a moment. We can smile and have joy. Paul wrote so many of these epistles when he's in chains, and yet he said, I have a joy and a hope because he could see with eternal vision. And you see, that is what the Christian hope is. It's about having an eternal vision of being with Jesus, being in that better city. And you know, for many of us, I'm sure we would have seen the funeral of Prince Philip yesterday. Such a poignant service, but one filled with hope. As the priests, one of the priests prayed, the hope that he is with the new Jerusalem, that he used that phrase, a city. And that is true. That is the Christian hope we have. And when we understand that and let that settle into our heart, the faith that that is the case will protect us from so much lies of the enemy. And I've just been so struck by that. Let me see what time it is before. uh, We've got plenty of time. We've got another hour and a half. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just joking. All right. I'm going to continue. Is that all right? Um, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall be your offspring named. He considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You've got to understand, God said, listen, I'm going to create a nation from you, from Abraham, from, from, your, from your seed and from Sarah's. And here's his only son, Isaac. Now God's saying, go sacrifice him. He's like, what? But no, Abraham had a faith that God had it. And as it says here, that, that God would raise Isaac again. Let's, let's, I'm going to skip through to some of this. What about verse 23? By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Fleeting, present, he had a future hope. He considered the approach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. What is Jesus saying in that very famous Sermon of the Mount? Where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where rust and moth destroy, but store up treasures for yourself in heaven. An eternal perspective, the Christian hope that we have. By faith, verse 29, by faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell the Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty 
In war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they may rise again to what? A better life. Talk about a shield of faith. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats and destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Wow. That is faith. It's a shield that protects you from the arrows of the enemy because that assurance that we are his and we will be with him again soon. It is powerful, but I fear, and as I've reflected on my own life, that that is something we have lost. And you know, you can trace this back to when we became more wealthy and comfortable as a world. As the West became more affluent and more had ties to this world, our hope became less and less about being in Jesus and more in the stuff that we had here. It's true. I, I, you know, I study a lot of church history and you see that from Christ up until even so recently, something has shifted. And, we, and we, we, we pursue the wealth of this world because our hope is in it. And I think that's a challenge for us. I really do. It's like, where is our hope? That was the question that the Lord wanted me to ask you guys this morning. Where is your hope? Is it in the things of this earth because if it is, it is akin to picking up a very small little shield that you pick up and it just disappears when the arrows hit it. If you want to withstand the lies of the enemy, well, God doesn't love you. You're going to be destitute. You're going to be left with nothing. You're going to be a reproach. You're going to be full of shame. If you want to withstand those lies, then you need to pick up the shield of faith. And so... What does that mean for us then? How does that even work? Well, it goes on in chapter 12. Let me read verses one, verse one. Therefore, you know, whenever there's a therefore, it's a bit of a, given everything I have just said, let me give you an exhortation. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since we are surrounded by all those people that I have listed and so many more throughout the ages, those that if we're called to be a witness in the stand to God's promises, would say, you know what? God is faithful. Since we have those witnesses that are ready to stand, what does it mean for us? Let us therefore lay aside every weight and sin which clings so easily and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And as Paul says elsewhere, and as I mentioned, we don't necessarily know that Paul wrote this epistle. I set my face to the prize that is ahead. What is that prize? It's the Christian hope. If we want to walk this walk as Christians, if we want to fight the good fight, if we want to run the race, then I fear for many of us, we have lost the, the prize ahead and we're looking on the race for small little prizes as we go along. And we wonder where we, why we stumble and fall. And it says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings. Now, why does sin and weight cling? It's because it gets, the arrow gets into us and it bears fruit. This is important. 
When you are having that shield of faith, when you have that hope, it, will, it says that the shield will quench those fiery darts. But you see, what happens is if you don't live your life having that faith in God's promises, you don't root yourself in the title deeds because faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God, then those arrows permeate you and what happens? They bear fruit. Oh yeah, maybe that's right. Maybe God doesn't love me. And all of a sudden, that, that weight has cling to you. Yeah, maybe, maybe God doesn't care if I you know, walk in that particular sin. What happens? It bears fruit. And you see, what that shield does is it enables us to deflect, to deflect those arrows. Are you, am, I, am I making any sense, by the way? I hope so. I just feel like I'm just going on. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear. Um, right. So I hope we're on the same page then. I've unpacked a challenge for us, which is where is your hope? And I've talked about that we can pick that, that shield of faith up. But here is the question. How can we have this faith? In other words, how is it that we can have these title deeds? I'm going to go back to chapter 10. Because I'm going to encourage you to spend some time this week reading Hebrews. It's an amazing book. And what it essentially does is it paints the picture of how much better the new covenant is under Jesus Christ than the old covenant. That in fact, the old covenant was always a shadow for the better covenant to come. And you see, therefore, we join that at verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 19, and the writer says this, therefore, brothers, therefore, based on this amazing covenant that we have with Jesus, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. You know, when Jesus dies, says, it is finished, the curtain in the temple was torn in two, that was the flesh of Christ that was broken for us so that we can enter the holy places. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. You see, we can have the title deed because Jesus paid for it. When you have the title deeds to your house, you have so because you paid some money. The reason we can have the title deeds to God's promises for us is because the blood of Jesus paid for it for us. That is what faith is. It's because Jesus has made a way for us that we can have that full assurance. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. What confession? That we are his and that we will be with him without wavering. For he who promised is what? Faithful. Are we getting the picture here? That the reason that we can have that full assurance, which is faith, is because God is faithful. And the reason that we can have that full assurance is because Jesus has paid for it for us. If that isn't good news, I don't know what is, quite frankly. And that is why we've been saying, and Denise said it again last week, this armour we put on is not our own armour. It is God's armour given to us, fashioned for us, uniquely made for us, bespoke, fitting. And so the challenge and the question for each one of us is, where is our hope? I want to end by just sharing my own story a little bit. 
You know, if you go on to read Hebrews, in, in uh, chapter 13, verse 7, it says this. Remember your leaders. That's me, by the way. <laughs> Those who spoke to you the word of God, which I've done this morning. Listen to this. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. I read that and I was like, whoa, whoa, steady. I don't know how I feel about that, quite frankly. Could I say that I'm comfortable with saying to you all, you should imitate my faith? Now listen, I'm not special, but I am more accountable. You know, it goes on to say in verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Those who teach will be held more accountable, by the way. Don't ever rush to be a pastor <laughs> unless you have that calling from God. And I pray, I pray for your souls, by the way. You know, every day as a staff team, we pray daily for you. So I read this and I was challenged and I, and I felt the Lord say, you know, Look at your own life, Mark. Could you say that people could imitate your faith? And one of, the, one of the many questions I've had asked of me over this past year and a bit is, how's it been? How's it been for you? Have you how have you seen your faith change? And I would I'll end by saying this as a way of encouragement. It's been really hard. <laughs> no surprise. You know, COVID has been difficult. Running a church is been hard in these circumstances. You know, as I've shared before, we've had family issues with health. I've had bereavements. I haven't been able to see my immediate family who are all in Australia for a long time. We've had lots of stuff going on. And the enemy has really been out to have a go and have a pop, no surprise. Well, Mark, you might as well just give up. What's the point? You're doing a terrible job, Mark. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. Why don't you just, why don't you just quit? You didn't sign up for this. <laughs> and then God reminds me, no, I signed you up for this. <laughs> but you know what? Should I tell you what my shield of faith has been? Two things. One is this. You know what? We're only here for a fleeting moment. I'm going to be with my Jesus. I'd rather spend myself now building his kingdom because rest is coming. And it says in the book of Hebrews, in fact, it talks about the rest that is to come. And you see, when we understand that we're here for a moment, our focus shifts. We realise we're not here to build a comfortable life. And I'm not putting anything about comfort. I love comfort. Don't get me wrong. But we're here to fulfil the Great Commission, to make Christ known, to serve him, to be Jesus' hands and feet. And you see, when you have that hope that we will be with him, those arrows of, well, just give up, it's just too hard, get extinguished. I'm like, no, you know what? No, I'm here for a purpose and for a season. And I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm only here for a moment. And then you look at this roll call of these heroes of the faith who went under martyrdom and were sawn in two. And you think, well, Mark, <laughs> I can't say that it's been that difficult. And then the second thing is the faith that God is working in the midst of the challenge. The faith that, the faith that God is so loves me that he is working all things for good for me. And as it says in Romans, in the next verse, verse 29, to conform us to the likeness of his son. 
He's more concerned about our eternal position than he is our present comfort. And you know, he loves you so much. It says in Hebrews that he disciplines those, his sons and his daughters. Why? Because he loves us. He wants to build character and perseverance. And so when you have the title deeds to the assurance that God will never leave you nor forsake you, that nothing will separate you from the love of God, when you have the title deeds that says that God is working all things for good, when you have the title deeds that says that you can know the peace of God in all circumstances, when you have the title deeds that show that you can have the joy of his salvation, when you have that assurance of faith, it doesn't matter what arrows are thrown at you, they get distinguished because you say, you know what? I'm his and he is mine. And I want to end with this challenge. What is your hope in? Is it a worldly hope based on wishful thinking or is it a hope based on the assurance and the title deeds of the Father in heaven paid for by the blood of Jesus? That is the question we need to answer. Because when we move in that faith, I'll tell you something, guys, we can stand strong. We can stand strong. And it's now more important than ever because the world will spin the narrative that, oh, we can have hope now because of X, Y, and Z. And it becomes so easy to say, oh yeah, that's the case. But we're in a battle and God is calling us to stand strong. I'd like you all to stand, please, as I invite the band up. Thank you, Lord. I want to say this this morning. For some of you, you might be watching at home or during the week, we know many catch up, or you might be in the room that you have never said yes to Jesus. You've never said, you know what? I need you, Lord. I am a sinner. We're all sinners saved. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. All our works are but rags, as it says in the Scriptures. If you have yet to say yes to Jesus, I want to tell you, your eternal hope is banking on your decision this morning. What do I mean by that? What I'm saying is, is that you have an eternal question that is presented to you. Are you going to spend eternity with Jesus, with the Father who loves you, or are you going to spend eternity separate from him? This is going to be the most important decision that you make of your life. And when I say life, I don't just mean here, which is, as the scriptures say, but a vapour. I mean your eternal life. And if this morning you have realised that the hope you have put in has never been in Jesus, then I want to give you the opportunity this morning to say, I need you, Lord. I need that hope. How do, I, how do you do that? Well, you confess you're a sinner. You say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. And you can pray this at home or in the room. Forgive me for my sins. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for me. That you paid the penalty of sin, which is death, on my behalf. Thank you that by your shed blood, I can have the title deeds to the promises of my heavenly Father. And I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Thank you that I am a new creation in you. If you just prayed that prayer, I just want to say, praise God. You have, I just want to say, we celebrate with you. Um, please, um, in the chat, you can put your, raise your hand. Get in contact with us, prayer at um, the Vineyard Church, KDK. We'd love to send you a Bible and just pray with you.